G'day, Annie McLaughlin here for this week's edition of Stick Together, focusing on union news, workers' stories and social justice issues. This program is produced in the Melbourne studios of 3CR on the stolen lands of the Kulin Nation and we pay our respects to their elders past, present and emerging. Stick Together is made possible through the financial support of the Community Radio Foundation and we come to you on the Community Radio Network through your local community radio station. Today we're looking at the fires in New South Wales. First from the point of view of the firefighters and secondly at the effect on workers in general. In a vain effort to divert attention from a response some have called too little, too late, the Australian Liberal National Party Federal Government is trying to seed the notion that the lack of fuel reduction burning is at the root of the unbelievably ferocious widespread fires across New South Wales and Victoria this January. Millions of hectares of land burnt, deaths, houses lost, animals, wild and domestic, decimated. Despite decades of warning from client scientists that these types of events were on their way, it might be surprising to some listeners that the only dedicated research group into the effects of climate change in Australia, the National Climate Change Adaptation Research Facility, lost its federal funding in June 2018. A surprise? Because our Prime Minister has been saying categorically that it is untrue that his government did not believe that climate change was an issue that required a change in the country's economic direction. That is a more thoughtful approach to our heavy reliance on extractive industries and fossil fuel. That federal support for fracking, privatising of water away from local community needs and environmental sustainability and coal mining are not jewels in the federal government's crown, despite these ingredients being firmly outed as part of the environmental disaster soup holiday makers have been caught in on the south coast of Australia this January. We have the fires, the fear, the trauma, the destruction, fires that are still going. And we have the comparatively petty politics of individuals in power who are coming up with slippery words to change the conversation away from their inadequacies. How the LMPs, Morrison, Reynolds, Little Proud and the completely missing Dutton, who actually heads the department given the job to deal with national emergencies, overcome the political maelstrom is something for the next few weeks. But what is much more important is the practical need to deal with bread and butter issues of survival. Not only was Morrison and cohort too busy to respond in April for a meeting about the upcoming fire season with fire chiefs, anyone who has been keeping an eye on the New South Wales fireys' fight for resources over the last two state elections will know that a similar lack of interest and funds has been a feature of the New South Wales landscape. Odd, considering the Liberals hold power with coalition of the Nationals a Party, which is supposed to represent country interests, and you must admit, fire and the bush do go together. I spoke to Leighton Jury from the New South Wales Fire Brigade Employees Union about the issues involved for the New South Wales firefighters. He represents 
even before this round of fires began. Now, we've been following uh, what's been going on, obviously, uh, at the moment in the fires, but uh, 3CR Stick Together show has actually interviewed uh, uh, you guys before uh, regarding leading up to elections. We're uh, going into the New South Wales elections. You've been telling people that uh, you're not getting enough resources. Now, are we? Is this? is it all coming out in the wash now? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the New South Wales government, unfortunately, is reaping what they've sown in the last eight years. Uh, the budget cuts that they've imposed on both fire services since they came to power in 2011 has seen less prof- uh, professional firefighters now than there was in 2011, less fire trucks to put, um, put on the front line. Uh, we've got uh, problems with our personal protective clothing where that tender runs out at the end of uh, February uh, and we're not going to have enough money to fund that. I mean, there's an absolutely wide range of problems that the New South Wales government has absolutely failed uh, to address. And I think, it, yeah, you're absolutely right. Uh, we're now seeing that come, you know, come to light once, you know, once we move into a little bit of a crisis. I read that uh, the cuts to the professional file services were 35% and for the uh, rural it was 78%. Yeah, so that's the capital expenditure. The other, the other hidden uh, budget cut in the budget is the $27 million for fire in labour expense savings. Now, that sounds like a technical term, but really what that is is a budget cut where fire rescue have got to fund internally by cutting, you know, labour expense, $26 million. Now, that's 250-odd jobs. That's massive. And, and I think, you know, we are already short 400 firefighters across New South Wales, in, in fire rescue New South Wales. And that's only going to get worse if the government does not lift the labour expense cap. Um, you know, I, I, I get asked a lot about climate change and I say this, I'm not a climate scientist, I'm a firefighter. And what we've seen um, and what I've seen and the people that I, you know, my members on the ground, fires are getting hotter, more erratic. And, you know, these fires goes back to August. That's how long these, we've been fighting these fires for, nearly four months. We haven't had a campaign bushfire like this since the early 2000s, before that, 94, before that, the 60s. They are becoming more prevalent, a lot harder to deal with. And if we don't put money, but it's, you know, it's, I don't think it's any news to anyone in the state secretary of a trade union is calling for more jobs. But if we don't put more jobs in, we're going to see this, you know, every couple of years. And we need to do the preventative work as well as the response work to deal with these problems. Now, it's interesting. You've been able to actually put a figure figure on it. Uh, Four hundred new firefighters. Uh, yep. need to be employed and it yep. is quite staggering to realise that uh, you've got fewer firefighters than 2011. Look, the, the 400 is just to get us to our normal everyday, day-to-day work, going to house fires, you know, car fires, car accidents, hazardous material incidents. That's just to, to, to cut the overtime bill because we don't have enough bums on seats. Putting aside the, the crisis that we're going through right now, that needs extra resourcing. We're 400 short just to fill the trucks that we've got right now. And I noticed that you've said that uh, three trucks were lost on in the New Year fire uh, yep. down the south coast. So that means yep. equipment is also a, an issue. Yep. Now, these trucks... And it's, I mean, you're quite right in saying that I've been calling for this for a while. A lot, of the, the, a lot of the decisions the government should be making take time to implement. You don't just go and buy a fire truck off the shelf. You've got to put in an order, make five, ten, fifteen. You stagger these things out, and it will take possibly six months to a year to get these things uh, into the system. Now, 
you know, certainly the federal and the state government said, this now is not the time to talk about it. If we wait another four months for this fire season to finish, well, we'll be into the next fire season without the resources, without the firefighters, without the trucks for another fire season. So we need to start making some of these decisions now or, again, you know, we're going to be under-resourced going into, into you know, next year's fire season, which starts in August. And if you <laughs> think about that, what's that, seven months down the road? The uh, Prime Minister, who has not actually uh, covered himself in glory, uh, he goes to one of the places in New South Wales that were burnt out and they lost the two, uh, father and son, uh, yeah. deeply distressing. Um, but uh, the people were very angry, uh, you know, in front of camera. They didn't care. They were really angry. But what I found really interesting was that the uh, person who was the... Uh, I think he's the transport minister in the uh, New South Wales government who lives, uh, has his house in, is the representative for Bega, said, uh, well, he got the uh, um, greeting he deserves. But do you think that's a bit, uh, de- uh, you know, def- trying to uh, defer attention from the fact that the New South Wales government has a hand in this? Oh, look, I agree with Andrew Constance. Um, you know, Scott Morrison absolutely got what he deserved. Uh, the problem with Andrew Constance is he deserves the same thing. I mean, the hypocrisy that a, a, a government minister who has sat there for the last eight years over the you know, and, and imposed the budget cuts on the fire services that are now affecting his community, I mean, he should have a, have a hard look at himself, Mr Constance. He should be asking some hard questions of the emergency services minister and the treasurers, uh, past and present, that were all, have all presided over the labour expense cap for fire risk in New South Wales and for, and for the RFS and say, why did we do this, and why are we still doing it? They could, they could, they could, that is a thing that they could come out tomorrow and say, we're not going to impose the labour expense cap on fire risk in New South Wales uh, this year. Uh, uh, so that would save, you know, that would mean $26 million in fire risk will be freed up for more training, more trucks, more equipment, more firefighters, straight off the bat. One of the subtexts in all this has been, um, you know, that it's a, an act of God, and uh, and one of the things that really uh, got on your goat was when the Premier, your Premier, um, said that, you know, the New South Wales should just prepare itself for, for more people to die. Yeah, I mean, look, this, I, I find it amazing that it, 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 it is this line of saying, well, look, you know, this is, this is stuff that just what happens. Well, it is. She's absolutely right. They should prepare for more fatalities, but they shouldn't have to because the government could have been making decisions to stop some of these things. Now, they chose to make other decisions, and they should, they should be up front and just say, look, we chose to do something else, which is why people are dying, why people, you know, houses, like, what are we, up to 1,000 houses burnt since August? We're up to over 20 fatalities, plus, you know, three to four firefighters lost. That's the decisions that the government's been making over the last eight years, and they should, be, they should hang their heads in shame. But to say, well, you know what, community, this is the way it is, well, it doesn't have to be. My members don't sign up to, you know, that sort of, uh, sort of, you know, belligerent sort of, I don't know, ignorance. We know what can fix these problems and, and the government should start listening to us. How are your members going? I know that it's uh, pretty uh, traumatic uh, and incredibly uh, difficult work. Um, how are people going? Are you getting uh, messages from your members? Yeah, look, I'm speaking to them daily at the moment. Um, like I said, we've been going at this since August. Um, a lot of our retained firefighters, they're our on-call guys. Um, you know, they did the first couple of months of that. Our, our full-timers uh, kicked in through November. Um, 
look, I suppose, where's the next fire going to break out? I mean, I know we're talking about the South Coast, but there is still a lot of New South Wales left to burn. And I don't say that in any sort of dramatic way, but we haven't had solid fires through the northern beaches of New South, uh, um, Sydney. We've still got, you know, a lot of um, unburnt and a lot of fuel load in the Blue Mountains around the central coast, around Newcastle. Um, it, this, I mean, I'm calling for action now because no one's thinking of that we're still going to be having a fire in a month, which we will, or in two months, possibly all the way through to April. Now, I mean... There's, there's only sort of very slim reports of any sort of rainfall, any decent rainfall. Um, so why isn't everyone thinking that we need to fix things now? So in the next two to three and four months, well, you know, we, we might have a few answers and, and a few solutions to some of the problems that we're facing. I have to say, too, that uh, one of the places uh, I'm, I lived in, one of the places that's just been burnt right out um, up in uh, the top of Victoria in the Dedic River Valley and there's no reports about that because it's too far away from the coast and it wasn't just the Dedic River Valley, it went right across the mountain down to Galantby, down to Buchan. And um, what I I find difficult uh, uh, to uh, understand and I know that this is what does happen is that people who live in the city and then people who live in regional areas don't really understand what it's like to be in places further in. So uh, I'm wondering if the politicians actually understand what they're dealing with and if they're actually talking to you people now. Well look certainly what I find out of the New South Wales government I really get a sense that they don't understand what's going on. Um, there's, there's a level of arrogance nearly to, to the way that, they, uh, that they're speaking in press conferences that, you know, we've got everything we need. I mean, a press conference uh, from Mr. Berejiklian and, and Mr. Pierce Simons, the RFS commissioner, a couple of months ago where we said, we've got every resource we need. Well, I mean, do they want to go and revisit their words? If, if we've got every resource we need, why are we, why are we losing 20 people in a fire season? Why are we losing 1,000 houses? What are we up to... Um, Six million hectares, or some ridiculous figure of um, of, uh, of uh, you know landscape gone. You know, millions and millions of animals gone, livelihoods gone. Now, if the best the government can come at is, well, we've got all the resources that we need. Well, you know, what have a, have a rethink on that. And I think you're absolutely right. I mean, the Northern River fires that started burning in August were bigger, if not bigger. Sorry, we're, we're the same, if not bigger, than what's happening on the south coast. Because it wasn't the holiday season, we just didn't get to see it as much. But there was, again, hundreds and hundreds of thousands of hectares up there burnt out, lives lost, houses burnt, livelihoods destroyed. Um, you know, we elect our, I suppose we elect our politicians, you know, to protect communities, to resource uh, the government agencies that, you know, protect communities, and they fail. And, you know, uh, It'd be really good if, I suppose, people like yourself and other people in the media start calling this out and just saying, what have you done wrong? Why aren't you sticking your hand up and saying, yeah, we failed and we should have done something? Uh, Is there anything that people in general can do to help support your members? Look, have a chat to your MPs. Have a chat to your local MP and say, what are you doing? What are you doing to fix this problem for all our communities? Fire services and emergency services more broadly... Need, need proper funding, they need to be properly resourced. I mean, they are there to protect, you know, the people of New South Wales and obviously the same in Victoria. Um, and, and that's not occurring. You know, this this Rob Peter to pay Paul attitude that governments have 
uh, at the moment is failing our communities, and our communities need to be aware of it. And I think if they if they actually sort of get, you know educated themselves a little bit, they'd be furious. Oh, I actually think that people are be, are be quite shocked. In fact, I was quite shocked uh, when I started covering the stuff that was happening in New South Wales regarding the fire. Uh, this is ten years long. This business yeah. about not getting proper equipment and stuff like that. I think people would be really shocked to realise that they're sending people into what is basically battle conditions. Uh, without it, even the defences that uh, we know that science can uh, and technology can give you. Oh, absolutely. I mean, the two trucks that got burnt out um, on, on, on uh, New Year's Eve down there at uh, Palmer, just south of Nara. You know, old antiquated trucks with no cabin protection systems. I mean, these are the stuff... I mean, these cabin protection systems with sprayers and a whole number of safety measures are there to protect when you get caught. Now, they had the barest minimum, and they were lucky. Like my members, A-line members were lucky to be alive. And again, this is structural stuff. This is stuff of, you know, you replace a fire brigade fleet over 15, 15 years. And if you're not doing that every year, making sure the maintenance, making sure that, you know, the best equipment can be delivered, then these are the, these are the results that, you know, that we get. And, and, as, and I think as a community of New South Wales... Uh, I don't think we should let governments off when they fail like this. This is big structural failings here. And, you know, and it's not like they say they didn't know. No. I mean, certainly right. my union and the secretaries before me and certainly me since being secretary for the last two and a half years, we've been telling them and they've been ignoring us. You're listening to Stick Together, workers' stories, union news and social justice issues. We've just been listening to Lathan Yuri from the... Uh, New South Wales Fire Brigade Employees Union, and we're now going to talk to Arthur Rowis. Arthur Rowis is the Secretary of the South Coast Trades and Labor Council, and uh, he had quite specific things to say about how these fires along the south coast of Australia affects workers in his area, but also in Australia in general, if not the world. Well, firstly, we need to recognise that... Uh, uh, the word unprecedented doesn't really describe the depth of destruction here. It's true we've had bushfires before and we talk about uh, losing houses and unfortunately losing our people. But to see an entire town wiped off a map is, is something at a very, very different level. We now have a situation where we have thousands of people essentially a bit like uh, living in an occupied country. I mean, it's almost a military-style situation where they can't move. They can't get to work, which is another issue where we're now facing the prospect of stand-downs on a massive scale. We've got a situation where many still can't get some of the very uh, uh, necessary day-to-day um, supplies. It is a good thing that uh, finally the federal government has uh, has acted, but uh, it's way, way too late. They should have organised the airdrops at the very, very start of this. But look, ultimately, people need to understand that we are talking about communities on the South Coast who are not wealthy people by any stretch of the imagination having to wear the costs of a climate change disaster. What you're seeing on the TV is essentially the frustration that comes from the fact that these communities are bearing the costs with very little assistance to them, it would seem. The announcement by the federal government of 
$2 billion assistance to rebuild, well, that's great over the next two years. But in the immediate term, what are the banks doing to suspend mortgage payments, repayments for, for people's houses? Many people were lucky that the houses were spared. We'd hate to see them being spared from the flame, but taken by the banks. This is the sort of situation we're now in where people can't work, where they can't move, and they obviously can't pay those bills. So today we have called for a moratorium on all payments to banks and financial institutions on mortgage payments and also a moratorium on uh, payments for utilities, things like electricity, like phone, water and rates. That is the very least that, uh, that both government and the big corporations in this country can do because the weight's looking at the moment to many of our communities, they've been left to pay twice for these disasters. Oh, that's incredible. I did notice that the NAB have put out a, some announcement saying that they're going to deal with uh, mortgages, pa- mor- uh, mortgage payments and stuff like that, so house payments. So that's an interesting uh, a development, I guess, that just came out today. Um, it, you also were talking about very practical things like knowing people's rights and uh, their conditions, including pay and unpaid leave during this period. That is a a huge grey area. But, um, well, this is the new normal, and these things are going to be occurring with greater frequency, unfortunately. And we need to get our heads around the idea that, uh, that unless there are very clear protections for working people here, Um, when these sorts of disasters and emergencies happen. It'll be working-class communities that pay the price of these climate disasters. We're seeing it unfold right now, that uh, uh, right and uh, conditions do vary across industries, that the provisions as they are do allow bosses to stand down workers where they can't uh, continue or for unforeseen reasons. Well, the unforeseen become very foreseen now. So do we continue with their losses being wages and other things? Or do we demand from government that the corporations and the employers have to foot uh, some of this pain as well? Why is it that it's just the workers that have to constantly pay the price for these situations? From that perspective, what what you're seeing here, other than the very real emergency and the, the tragic loss of life, Um, the catastrophic conditions, you are seeing climate change play out along class lines very, very clearly for all to see. You've been speaking to the ACTU about this. Well, we just had a hook-up earlier and there have been representatives from various unions, including the ACTU, around climate matters. This is the issue that's being talked about and uh, being acknowledged across the board that this casts a new light on climate change. It's no longer a question of if. It's no longer a question of even what needs to be done. I think that uh, certainly uh, in the progressive side of politics, that much is all agreed on. The question now is, is uh, what do we do in the process of dealing with the climate change that unfortunately has already occurred let alone preventing further in the future, and that it's no longer a question of, of uh, which industry that you support or whether you want to see an end to mining and other things. All of those things are obviously valid questions, but now it's become a question of who pays in the meantime. 
let alone in the future. And for those who see this dynamic as one of uh, current sort of generations of people who are in power, who have let down future generations, well, they've had a rude shock because uh, these things haven't waited 20, 30, 40, 50 years to show themselves. We're actually seeing the hard edge of climate change right here before our rise with the current generation. So it, it certainly raised a number of questions and that's not just in terms of the behaviour of bushfires, but it's also in terms of who actually pays the price for these. And as I've said, I think it's become very, very clear who is currently paying the price for that. I guess the pleasant thing, the only pleasant thing out of this, and something that gives us some heart, is the massive outpouring of support and solidarity across the board and across the country. This really has touched people wherever they are around the country, who know that it could be them next time. They're the ones predominantly that have been uh, reaching in their pockets to donate, to assist. At the moment, the only ones that haven't done anything, many would argue, are the ones that have caused the problem in the first place, which is those uh, wealthy billionaires who've made the money on the back of this. Uh, there is a very practical things that you've been doing, and I've noticed also that, that different unions uh, have uh, been doing quite practical things, like the MUA, for example, uh, have uh, set up uh, places for people to uh, drop things off, or and uh, some uh, scaffolders have, uh, and truck drivers and people of that nature. Uh, the South uh, Coast uh, Trades Hall Council have also uh, been a, a space for uh, assistance. That's correct? Well, yes. We've, uh, we've established a hotline for workers who need immediate advice, workers who can't get to work or whose workplace is burnt to the ground, workers who have been left in the lurch, and not just union members. This is a humanitarian effort. We're asking people to ring their union in the first instance, but where that's not possible or whether they're unable to do that, we have a general advice line. We have simultaneously called on employers to uh, universally give that leave where that's required, and we're asking for paid leave. Certainly, if that's not going to be possible, at the very least, unpaid leave where employment is at least secured. But um, our preference, of course, is that this is something that Scott Morrison should be funding. If these people can't get to work, can't actually put food on the table, can't pay their mortgages and other things, then the federal government has got a responsibility in these sorts of situations. And $500 a family is not going to cut it. That's it for Stick Together this week. The South Coast Trades and Labor Council hotline for worker information is 02 4229 That's 02 4229 Fire relief donation addresses will be attached to this podcast. Stick Together is produced at 3CR Studios in Melbourne, broadcast nationally on the Community Radio Network, with podcasts available at 3cr.org.au and on iTunes. You can contact the producers of the show at sticktogether3cr at gmail.com. My name is Annie McLaughlin. Remember, wherever you are, whatever you do, there is a union for you. And until next time, stick together and stay safe.